this week's guest is Melanie Paradin, who joins us from New York City. Melanie is the North American brand ambassador for Antique, which is a brand within the larger company Badal, based in Croatia. Melanie is a self-taught bartender with over a decade of experience in the industry. In our interview with Melanie, we discuss how Melanie parlayed her experience working in the retail world to successfully transition into a career in the industry, the many facets of bartending and the effort required to do the job well, and we discuss how Melanie landed her role as a brand ambassador for Antique. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. I am Kip. This is Dan. Hey, that's me. How you doing? Oh, awesome. Yeah, having a, another great day at work. Oh, it's a great start to the week. Yeah, I took Good. Friday off because I didn't feel like working. And that just means you get six times more work on the Monday. It sounds like you did that to yourself. Yeah, I did. Yeah, working's for chumps. I keep on buying lottery tickets. It's going nowhere. But hey, It's a shame. Yeah, it's a consistent path I've been taking the last couple of decades. So <laughs> it's worked out. I don't know where I'm headed. And how are things going with you? How's your weekend? Pretty good business weekend at the bars. Those bars being Babylon Sisters in Uptown Waterloo, Sugar Run in downtown Kitchener. If you're in the area, you should check them out at Babylon Sisters Bar at Sugar Run Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for January, which is usually a downtime, those bars were both good this weekend. Although we did have one of the things that fucking annoys me the most, which is we had, so Babylon was crazy on Saturday night. Nice. We ended up being a little short staffed as a result. This shit happens. And they were a little short on in the kitchen as well. So these women came in and they ordered two punch bowls and two charcuterie boards. And the they were I guess they waited some to get served for a little bit, which happens when, you know, bars are crazy busy and you're a little short staffed. I think they could have probably just looked around and noticed that it was busy. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> they drank the punch bowls and then they were not pleased with, I guess they were a little short on food. So they had to kind of bruce up the charcuterie boards in different ways and they were short on the boards. So they put them on a bigger board than they normally put them on. Oh, so it so ended up empty. looking a little, this shit happens, right? So a couple, uh, couple of good Google reviews. Well, so they got pretty pissed about it. So the manager ended up comping their entire bill which i thought was pretty fucking nice because they did drink both full punch bowls yeah right so then they but these women still posted a review today like a two-star review saying oh we waited forever for tables we the charcuterie boards were not up to our standards blah blah, blah. okay fine but no mention of the fact that their entire bill got comped <laughs> i was like i just don't get it like what what are you trying to accomplish what are you trying to accomplish this town's like, full of jerks. Well, it's just, it's every town, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, uh, but like, the, but to me, it's like, what, what was your purpose? Like, you were just so miffed about this that even though you drank, like, these punch bowls are huge. Yeah. Like, you drank a shit ton of alcohol for free on us and had the charcuterie boards, even if they weren't up to your standards, you got them all for free. And then you still felt the need to post a shitty review and not mention that actually your problem was addressed at the time by getting everything comped. Well, maybe they were too drunk because you overserved them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't overserve anyone because I wasn't there. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these are the things that drive me nuts. And if you're in the industry, you know, and you're listening to the show, which you probably are, you know what I'm talking about. Like this, this Google review shit has got to stop. Like it's just, it's bad enough that they post a review and then like, 
without even saying anything to you so you didn't even get a chance to address the problem because that's a that's something that happens a lot too like they don't say shit and then they go home and post a shitty review like give me a chance to address it but this in this case your problem actually did get addressed you got your whole bill comped and it's not like they didn't drink and enjoy the punch bowls now can you in your response to the google review are you are you allowed to post stuff like that you can my like my in my experience is it's best not to engage these people because then it just turns into a fight online and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't help you. So I tend to ignore it. Now, my manager took it pretty personally. So she asked if she could respond to it and at least say, hey, we did comp your whole bill. And I was like, this one was so egregious. I was just like, fine, do it. But in general, I, I it's not worth it, right? Like, you, you can't take these reviews personally. I just think people need to stop. Like, I don't know what you, what was, what was, it that you were trying to accomplish like you got you came in there you were inconvenienced for an hour of your 365 days this year yeah and then you felt the need to post something shitty about the place that you went when you got essentially a free bill mm -hmm. anyway that's enough of me venting but you did ask how my weekend went yeah perfect <laughs> can't wait to post my yeah. google review yeah, never, tonight never ask again <laughs> okay so we told you where the bars are go check those out check out the instagram pages so you can see what's going on at sugar run and at babylon sisters if you'd like if you like what we're doing on the show here post a review that helps a great deal follow us Give us a star rating, that helps. And um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can uh, email us info at the industry club, or you can DM us at the industry podcast, where you'll find the beautiful artwork from Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. Check him out for all your graphic arts needs. We love Zach. Anything else we need to talk about? No, no I think that covers it all. Great, because I'm tired of talking. Yeah. Now let's get right to our guest. Joining us from New York City, Melanie Paradin. How are you? Doing good. How are y'all? Good. Thanks Wonderful. so much for joining us on yeah. the show. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you very much. Be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, are you kidding? You're a very accomplished, how to put this, uh, woman of the industry. Do you like thank that? You. Do you like that terminology? I, woman of I the love, industry? I love it. It's <laughs> okay. like the best way. Yeah. Yeah. So like in, in all honesty, I meant that sincerely. Like it's, I think it, it came across a little snarky, but I meant it <laughs> sincerely. You are very impressive. Your resume is very impressive. Tell us about how you first got into the service industry. So I think like everyone else, you hated retail so that, or whatever job you had and then yeah. had to move on. So that was kind of where I started. I was working at a retail job for a really long time, but my first job ever was a server uh, and also barista. So I thought, okay, like, why don't I switch back? And I found on Craigslist a position for a morning bartender where they have to set up the bar and do barista work. So I kind of got the in through past knowledge, but then I got to learn bartending in a very like minimalistic way and build up kind of really easy. If for me, like it was like a really good trajectory and I just more and more learned. They liked me, gave me some night shifts and then the rest is history. Right. So you did say in your bio that you are self-taught. So like literally you are <laughs> like a self-taught bartender. So it's kind of intimidating. Like, and you grew up in New York City? Yes, I will admit I have one person, like at least from the beginning, there was the bar director there, Rael Petit. He also does some uh, other projects, like he's been sprinkled all around the industry as well. Interesting fellow. But yeah, he kind of was just showing me the basics and then saw that I liked it and wanted to do more. But yeah, it was pretty much just like watching people and 
uh, asking a lot of questions. But in the end, like I never had like a, a class or anything like that. It's just like I was a sponge. Yeah, no, that's self-taught. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like you, you have to have some mentors and some people to teach you. But like that, yeah, it's like you, you didn't go to school for it. And you, yeah, you just kind of found yourself in a position and moved your way up. That's self-taught. So, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, very, I don't like sell myself very well. Like I, I just kind of like to do and show it. But then when I talk about it, I, I always downplay it. Yeah, of course. Well, that's very humble. But especially in New York City, that must have been a little bit intimidating as you're moving along in your career, right? Like, did you have, do you have a feeling like, because I, I think that we all do at a certain point, like we, you move up in the industry, and you're just kind of like, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a job, and you're just kind of like that faking it till you make it yes. idea. Yeah, but if especially I could have in my headstone, I would. <laughs> well let's not get there yet you're still young <laughs> but um but especially in new york like that must be even more intimidating like one of the greatest like uh cocktail scenes in the world so many of the best bars in the world are in new york so describe what that was like it was definitely intimidating for sure i think because i usually got into positions either from showing my hard work or from being able to know people in the industry and keep going. But uh, because I was self-taught, I did notice I didn't know like a lot of the lingo or the terminology or the kind of spirits. So I would definitely feel a little silly sometimes like before even knowing how to say like a hearthrone strength, a hearthrone strainer or jigger or anything like that. I was like, oh, the thingy <laughs> or stuff like that. <laughs> in the end, I think what helped me progress in my career is I have really great customer service capabilities that I learned from retail and also just kind of like my personality. I realized I can kind of make myself in a the best customer service robot possible mm. because there's like a way I feel like a almost like like an equation of how you should do everything so like when I kind of put myself out of it and was really like attentive to the customers that's kind of what made people notice me more and then my skills just caught up to that and it helped mm. me out yeah like uh, and the customer service thing is always going to be the most important like the rest of the stuff can be taught I I do feel like there is natural talent that goes into say cocktail creation that not everyone is born with and maybe you never get because some of it's like palate right you know yes, um and it doesn't matter how much you teach yourself you can get only so good and then the, the people who get really really good at it they have some sort of natural talent but at the end of the day the customer service thing is always going to be the most important part so if you get that part down you're going to do well in this job oh yeah that's like something i always tell any bartender when i'm training them that's the number one like whether or not we want to like agree to that because yeah. sometimes it's just like also the camaraderie of it it's like you see someone's working really hard and you know you should respect that and all this fun stuff when it comes to being an industry but in the end it's just like we're here to serve other people and you know don't look pissed <laughs> and yeah, just yeah. Do it good and you probably will get a better tip like sometimes you won't sure but most of the time you will and also they'll remember you and it'll it'll just be better to be be nice it's it's you know it helps it definitely helps it's not easy though right like i i was discussing this with uh one of my managers at one of my bars the other day uh, with regards to a specific employee who's like very good at their job with the physical part of it but like the 
kind of putting on the stage act having a hard like that it's just the resting bitch face and like whatever right like so but but that's hard like when you're in the like and i'm saying i want to say this straight up i was that guy when i was still behind the bar i couldn't do it i couldn't get the like if i was what do you you mean when you were still behind the bar (laughs) when i was having a bad day people knew it right and that's just a it's really that's the thing you can't do like yeah. I always describe it like we're all actors. You're on a stage and you're doing a performance for the evening. And sometimes you forget your lines or you forget which uh, stage to exit or enter at. And you have to roll with it. Right. Or sometimes things go haywire. The audience starts booing or whatever. And you have to you have to take all that and still put on the performance. A hundred percent agree. Like that's definitely how I see it as well. It's just it makes it easier too because if you can kind of get into that element, that moment, or you know, it, you explain a drink the same way, like there's a good chance you're not going to have to say the same thing to the person again and get caught. So it's like if that just makes it easier, then stick to it. Like that's what I always tell people. And you know, when you get more confident with it, it will come off less fake because mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm never being fake. It's just like I know, like if I want to say something, I know like different ways I can say it. Like if I want to say fuck you, like I know a way to say it. Or if I want to say like that was fucked up, like there's yeah. a way to say that. So I definitely agree. I, I love the acting part of that because you can kind of get out of your shell as well. It definitely helped me because I'm a, a naturally very shy person. But bartending definitely made me come out of that and have to stand up for myself. And because sometimes you're too nice. That's like a problem. A lot of women bartenders get in the beginning, at least from my experience. But yeah, there's there's just a way to to do and say everything honestly like if you just think about it yeah it's true it's, it's a great job like it's funny people think you should be an extrovert to get into the service industry and i'm sure that helps with, for people who are but i'm more like you i'm an introvert as well and i actually felt like it what? was a, i know it's true i actually am and uh i felt with like podcast, i love yeah. it <laughs> well but i and i fucking ran i fucking ran for mayor too <laughs> but i but it's all because I did the service job, because if I hadn't have done that, uh, if I, I kind of fell into it when I was very young. And if I hadn't have done that and realized that you are forced to be an yeah. extrovert, that like, actually, it's it's a great way to break out of it. If you oh, are sure. if you are naturally introverted. Right. I think so, because it, it makes you also more confident because the better you get with your abilities, whether it's serving or actually making the cocktails or whatever it is, it's just the more you feel confident about what you do, like the more fun it gets. And that's like my favorite part of going to a bar is seeing like everyone have fun. Like when I go to a bar and everyone seems like they're enjoying each other's company, they're having a good time, but also paying attention to you. That's like for me, a hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like we're getting away from that a little bit or like maybe it's coming back around again. We've talked to a lot of people on this show um, who think maybe things are coming full circle again, but there was a stretch with the whole uh like stuffy craft cocktail bartending yeah um sort of uh star tender uh scenario where it was like almost like you, it was about like oh i'm gonna take i'm taking this job so seriously like and now we're getting back to it's it is supposed to be fun it is supposed to be making sure everyone else like there was I, i'm not so sure I'm, I'm saying this exactly right but like there was a stretch where like you go to the craft cocktail bar and you sit quietly and and, and sniff yeah. and and taste your cocktail and enjoy it and like that's all cool as well but like all bars started 
from the notion that we're supposed to go out and have fun with each other. Yeah. I mean, that's what I say. Like when people say, oh, like you're a mixologist. I'm like, no, I'm a bartender because mm. I tend the bar and mm-hmm. the guests the bar. Like I'm not, you know, having, I mean, if you want to wear suspenders, that's your, your life. But I'm <laughs> because like the i mean i love flair believe me i wish i could do more but it's like not about that it's about no but But i actually think i actually think flair is kind of fun right like yeah especially if i were at it hell yeah but yeah i think that's sometimes like the us quote-unquote mixologists like look down at flair but we've interviewed a bunch of flair bartenders on here as well and like flair is kind of what i'm talking about like a it's not something I'm ever going to do or would feel comfortable doing or even having at one of my bars, but like you are creating an atmosphere of fun. Yes. Which is what the bar is supposed to be. Oh yeah. I think there's just a balance to everything because Mm -hmm. when it gets to the point where I'm just like, can you just like make my drink or it doesn't make sense. The flair. I think that's what maybe gets me. Like, I think I have like, yeah, (laughs) I I just want the fucking drink. Yeah. (laughs) I was like out with friends and like one of them was a bartender as well. And we like, got a drink that had a, an orange peel in it so you know i get it like i've like smacked it like the orange peel against the glass or turn it around whatever like you could do it in a nice way but he literally like was smacking this glass like like right in front of me and i'm like looking at me and i'm like all right when is this done like i appreciate it but i just when is this done my cup it was just a little bit too much so yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah. no i agree yeah <laughs> yeah because there's a part where that becomes performance rather than bartending as well. And I think that like, I love, I agree with you. The word mixologist sucks. Like, and when we started calling ourselves that, or people in the industry started calling ourselves that, I think it was a downturn in like what we're doing here. Bar, I loved how you said that I'm here to tend the bar and part of tending the bar means making sure, well, the biggest part is making sure that the guests have a good time. But when you're a mixologist and when you present yourself with that word, it's like, well, you've taken the notion of tending to the guests out of what your job title is. Exactly. And that's why, like, sometimes I do come across those mixologists still that, you know, I appreciate the drinks. I appreciate what they're doing. But it's just like, yeah, like, you're not cooler than me. Like, I don't know. You can be. Like, I don't know. It doesn't. It, is that what it's about? Like, should I feel like if I am going to a bar with friends and I don't even recognize some of the ingredients, you know, it's kind of gets to a point where it's like, what are you trying to prove? Like, let's just make delicious drinks for people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like, I think because to go back to your point before, like kind of where we're going with like what, how people see drinks, I just feel like we were at like such a high and then COVID kind of, you know, screwed us all. And then it made it like we were kind of like the bottom of the like tear again like we were like essential but people were being like really awful like i i was reading articles about you know people had to close down again because the people were so rude to them because they really? forgot to act yeah and, and i was having that problem when i came back so it's like it was like this like uphill battle for us as industry and so many left like i most of my industry friends are out of bartending now or not physically doing it And then you're bringing in this new wave of people who were like so entranced by mixology and what it was doing before drink masters, all this stuff. And, you know, but then they're like just doing that shit. And then they like, don't know even how to make a daiquiri. Right. So it's like, (laughs) that's like the, the struggle that I'm having when I go out to bars these days, it's like, I'm really impressed by like menus and what I'm seeing. But sometimes it's like just getting down to the basics again and making a drink taste like what I read and, 
enjoying it and remembering it and like keeping it a little simple. Like that's, I think. I think it's interesting that you brought that up because like we have had two people who were on that show, Drink Masters on our show here. And I watched it. I loved it. Uh, It was like, I thought it was super cool. If you're into like the nerdiness of making craft cocktails, it was also like a fun way to present that. But what you said there, I think is interesting because do you think that like a show like that would is going to overall have a negative effect on the industry because of just what you're talking about. Like people taking that sort of ultra craft a little too seriously, which is also like, let's be honest, not physically possible to execute in a busy bar atmosphere. Yes. Cause that's also the struggle I have too. Like I'm going to these bars and they are complicated drinks. They are $25, but you not only pre-batched it, you pre-diluted it. I mean mm-hmm. like, no, like fuck you. Like, sorry. Like, I just think that's really a slap in the face. Like yeah. that's not what it's about. Like I, it, I just like, that's kind of a frustration me. I think it's great that people are getting excited by like cocktails and like, you know, not feeling scared to, you know, make something at home. Like you could do something really simple with everything you have at home. And like, that's what I love about bartending. Like, because like, since I wasn't trained, I would just like smell and like taste something and then be like, okay, like, I think this would go really good with this and that, that, that. and like, that's what makes it exciting for me. And like, mm. when it gets too complicated. I just like, feel like we're losing the part of it. And then that's when it gets a little pretentious and just unnecessary and if i'm walking into a bar that's like 50 best bar and no one even looked at me or said hello like i think that's already like a no on yeah. my own. yeah 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 because again yeah we're getting away from what the bar is supposed to be about um yeah, yeah getting back to what you were just saying like uh talking about like how you started making cocktails and you were putting like just flavors together that you were into was, do you, do you remember a moment where you were like, Oh, I might be good at this. Yeah. I think when I was at the Roxy, like that's, I already started doing it then like pretty early on because I had so much time on my hands and because I really, like I was excited about bartending. So because I have this day shift and like no one, like, you know, you have to be there at like 8am. Like, I'm sorry, a- just one second. Just for our listeners who don't yeah. know the Roxy is a hotel. Bar. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Rebecca, my first job. Uh, it's awesome. It's a great hotel. They got the club. They got a jazz club. They do movies. It's like a really cool um, space. And it was actually a big deal at the time because they had women bartenders like every so often, but barely for night and barely like staying for a, a long period of time. And I was there for almost three years. Funnily enough, I was fired because my hair was too blue. So I have (laughs) a little bit of a, like a legend there, at least like a couple years ago. But, um, yeah, I, so it was a big deal to have like a woman bartender on like at night, like as as, like a regular schedule. So like, that was really exciting for me. And I think I just kept going with that momentum and wanting to teach myself and then having someone there that actually was a talented bartender mixologist, like to tell me, yeah, like that's actually good. Yeah. Like, or Mm. yeah, like I could see what you're doing. Like that only like made it want to, made me want to do more. And that's it emboldened you, emboldens you in a way, right? Like it's like you're, like you're getting feedback from someone that you respect. And it's like, and you do need that when you're starting out. Right. Because it's like, it's one thing for a a guest or a customer to be like, Oh, I like this, but you don't know if they're bullshitting you or whatever. Like someone behind the bar who you trust is not going to bullshit you. Like they're, exactly. they're, they're going to tell you if it's shit. <laughs> 
I mean, because like sometimes like people are too nice, but my background is in art. Like I went to SVA for photography. So like I view like bartending or mixology as a kind of art form. And like in the same way that you have to give the feedback that there is critique, like there are things like that you don't have to be like, it sucks. Like there's like so many more things you can say or to be more productive. And I definitely use that with what I do now. Can you give me an example of like how like, somebody would critique your artwork at school and like how that would be the same as with a cocktail you made? So my photography was uh, like macro still life. So I ha- I didn't get a lot of feedback, su- surprisingly, like they didn't really know what to say to me. But when I saw other people, there was like things where the, like, they were like, I love the idea and I love the image, but I feel like if maybe you were in a different position, it could have been more strong, like what your viewpoint Mm -hmm. you're trying to give, if you were higher or lower, or if it was more contrasted or something like that. So like, if you're having a drink and I'm like, and you told me it was this, this, that, or even like, okay, like make me a daiquiri. I'd be like, you know, like I definitely, it's right. And like, I, I like it. I will drink it. I would buy it. But, you know, I really think that the lime should come out more or like just Mm. like something like that. It's just like it's just being positive. And like, you don't even if you hate it, like you could still be positive and be like, I see where you're going with this. But I feel like maybe if you did this, that would make it better or that would come more across of like the vibe you're trying because I also ask them to like when at least for drinks now like what vibe are you giving off do you want to be like refreshing do you want to be broody do you want to be like sour do you want to be weird and like that's also really important because like that's like when I make drinks it's like more like the sensation or like the flavor not like the drink I'm trying to make so I don't mm-hmm. know what the drink's going to be like in the end it's just more like what flavor did I want to do yeah. And like, so when you're talking about like in the art world, like in photography or whatever, like you're talking about like idea versus execution in a way. And I think that like, as I've moved to more of the ownership role, like I've had to be more pragmatic about stuff like that as well. Right. I'm like, wow, this is a very creative cocktail that you've come up with. It's delicious. It looks good. How are you going to execute it on a busy night? Right. Like you have to start thinking about shit like that. And it's like it it almost sucks. But it's also like we're not making drinks for Instagram, which became a big deal during the pandemic. Right. Where all these cocktails were just being made for your Instagram page, because what else were we doing? But Mm -hmm. like, how do you pull that off on a Saturday night at 11 p.m.? Exactly. Like that's something that I always try to keep in mind because the last bartending job I had, I was running the bar program at this speakeasy called The Little Shop. And uh, I had to, I was brought in there first, like just like to kind of take over and be like the head bartender and bar director, but I didn't make the drinks yet. And then when I had had the opportunity to do that, I had to keep this in mind because there was only one bartender on the floor at a time. So if I'm going to have like almost 10 drinks on my menu and I'm the bartender and the, and the well bartender, like I'm doing like, and they could fit up to like, sometimes like up to a hundred people, you know, you have to think like, how can I realistically do this and still get that flavor across? So like, sometimes you got to go a little bit more simple or like give the server something to do or blah, blah, blah. But when you keep that in mind, then like it makes it a little bit easier for you. Cause like you're giving yourself like parameters. Cause like when people are like, make me whatever you want, or like, even like my like manager, like, Oh, like make whatever you want for the menu. I'm like, no, like we got to have one rum, one vodka, one this, like one that's like this. And like, if you don't think of it like that, then you're going to just get lost and then make mm-hmm. a bunch of 
Yeah, like, so, so you think that's important, like, when you're making the cocktail list is to have, like, you have to put some, like, when you're making a list, people do it in so many different ways, and I've asked so many people on this show about their philosophy. Like, some people think it's important to have one of every spirit. Some people like to have a flavor profile or whatever. Some people like to do it based on seasons and the flavors that they're that match the seasons. Like, what's your philosophy on that? I mean, as long as they're... I definitely think there should be like a mix. Like I definitely get bummed if I go to a, a menu and I see like a bunch of rum drinks or a bunch of like whiskey drinks. Cause personally for me, like rum gets me a little too drunk. Whiskey makes me aggressive. So I'm just like not trying to do that. And there's like one vodka drink and like, I get it. Vodka is like the, the whore of the, vo- of the bar industry, but it's just, you know, <laughs> one like it's an easy neutral spirit, but it I is, to- and it's also like you can make an awesome tasting cocktail with everything else that you put with the vodka because the vodka doesn't tend to have it, and that's fine too, right? Like yeah. you just gotta mix it up though, because yeah. like you have people that want a little bit of everything and also be prepared to like because also the thing is if like you can have your menu if you want to keep it however you want, but like then people are gonna want something out of it and yeah. like are prepared for that do you want that like so if you make your menu more mixed of everything there's a much higher chance no one's going to order off the menu and that usually happened to me like i the only thing i got ordered off the menu was old-fashioned or i usually had a variation that they accepted or a martini otherwise like everyone ordered from the menu because there were so many different drinks to choose from so many different flavor profiles at least two of every spirit so everyone had like because like that's like i'm just trying to do it as like this if i was the guest like i'd be like mm. okay like i want to try one of it like if i want to try every cocktail on the menu i think like you definitely aced it because right? yeah what's the point like <laughs> you yeah. want them to order more than one's drink you don't want them to get too drunk you want them to be crushable though like yeah. i get these drinks and i'm like i'm gonna take like a 45 minutes to drink this and like that wastes a lot of time yeah and yeah. and uh, like obviously there are bars that like if you're a tiki bar, sure, you can have a lot of rum drinks or whatever. Like, so there's, there's always exceptions to this rule, right? Yeah. Like, if you ever go to Bourbon and Branch in San Francisco, it's just gin or just or whiskey, right? Like, because that, but that's their thing, right? So at least you know if you're going there, that's what you're getting. So there are always exceptions to the rules, but I, I agree with you. Like, I like you want to have a variety, but the other thing that sometimes frustrates me is like, well, people. So Sugar Run is my bar is a uh, speakeasy but it's also a rum based bar and so we have learned to mix up the spirits as well in the cocktails but for a while we had a lot of rum based cocktails based on what we were trying to do and the people would come in it's like i don't like rum it's like do you really know though yeah yeah like, <laughs> like why don't like, you just try one of the drinks uh, yeah no. yeah sorry, sorry the customer's usually never right no and it's just like just give it a shot like or they, they would try and sub it like well can i get that drink but with vodka and i'm like well it's not gonna it's not gonna taste right you know what i mean like that's not what the whole cocktail was crafted around this one specific not just the spirit rum but like a very specific rum <laughs> you yeah, know that's- and that's yeah. up to also the customer too. Like, don't go to a tiki bar and expect a dirty martini. Like, right. you know what you signed up for. So it's just, if, yeah. you go, if I'm going to a top 50 bar, personally, I just expect there to be a variety. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what makes it special. And that's why the bar is doing so good. That's yeah. Opinion. 
So you were involved in opening this uh, speakeasy that you were mentioning. What was it called again? Sorry. The, the little shop. The little shop. And so obviously you rose pretty quickly for, especially for your age. I don't actually know how old you are, but looking at you, it's not that old. <laughs> I'm 33. So like, I yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. And enough to have enough time in the industry to like know what I'm doing. Yeah. But you've done a lot of it. Right. But yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And you look much younger than that. So congratulations. <laughs> but uh, so coming up in New York City, doing all of this and then uh, getting a chance to open like or help open a speakeasy, et cetera, like all of this stuff. Talk to me a little bit about like, did, was it just, I guess what I'm trying to ask, was it just happening so fast that you didn't even realize what was going on and then you were just doing it? Or did you have time to sit back and think like, what the fuck? Like I am opening a speakeasy in New York City. Uh, yes. Okay. Definitely the first one. Because, <laughs> so I was uh, still working at the Ace Hotel at the time when all this was starting. So I knew like, that's also, I think really important. Like maybe it's not like a bartending thing. Like you really need to like say out loud what you want or like, or else you're not going to manifest it. Like I literally said out loud, like, you know, I would love to be a brand ambassador. So like just saying, right. you should do that. Um, but I was like, yeah, I would really love to like make a bar program or be a bar director. Like, I think I actually am good at this because at the bar I was working at, they had like, Oh, let's put a new um, cocktail out on the menu and like, let's see who's the favorite and mine won. So I was like, okay, cool. Definitely see that. Like I, I'm not just thinking it, I'm doing it. And I was actually brought in to do another project and be a bar director at this um, small restaurant in Crown Heights. And I was really excited about it. But honestly, it was freaking me out at the time because I um, was seeing it like opening up. I met the chef who was like the chef at the Ace before. And he was like a really cool guy, but a little too strict for me. Like, you know, I had to wear a white button up shirt and like a black vest or no drinking he mentioned like five whoa, times whoa, whoa, no, no drinking <laughs> he mentioned five times and i was like okay i think i get it but okay. also like why are you keep saying this like so it was just starting to rub me the wrong way and i was starting yeah, to get yeah. so i'm like oh my god and because i did never make a menu before i was like fuck like that was like really hard and then Last minute, this um, consultant that I know, I've opened like a couple of spots for him. He was like, hey, I have this last minute actual bar director thing because the last person just kind of MIA'd and he sold it horribly. I was just like, this sounds like it's going to, he's like, it's in South Street Seaport. It's like a really like secret thing. And I was like, this sounds like a weird, like creepy bar that I have no one to not want to be a part of, but I went in, loved it, like amazing space. Like it's just like perfectly curated. Like it was so my vibe. And I immediately knew I wanted to jump to that because it was like, also, if it's like something that you believe in, obviously you're going to be more excited about it. And it was a little bit better of a transition for there because there was already a menu set in place. And then I was tweaking it. And then when they said, are you ready to do it? I was ready. So mm. luckily everything kind of fell into place at the right time. Right. And then, so you do transition into this brand ambassador role, which is something you manifested. So talk to us. <laughs> uh, yeah. So talk to us about uh, your role now as a brand ambassador for uh, it's an, it's uh, I assume it's the spirits agency. Actually. So I'm the North American brand ambassador for Antique, which is a brand within the big company Badl in Croatia. Okay. So 
I technically freelance for Badal, but they don't have like their people here. Like it's just me and the product manager. So I technically only work for Antique. Like okay. that's, that's my bread and butter. That's who I like say my boss is, but it's like a bigger company in Croatia, but I don't really work for the whole company. Oh, like gotcha. A- so, but mostly for just that one brand. So the, so talk to us about Antique. Uh, how did you get linked up with them and uh, tell us about the product? Yeah, so it was such a organic experience. I met the brand ambassador for Fernet at my pre- previous bar because he saw I was like ordering it and introduced himself. We became friends and he's like, and also, sorry, industry, like I hate Fernet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, well, so, I, Melanie, I, we were, we were, I felt like we were becoming friends right up until that point. I like Bronca Menta. I prefer Bronca Menta. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all but right. that was part of our joke because he knew I hated it so much. So he's like, you know, you hate this so much. Why don't you work the booth at BCB? And I was like, what's BCB? Because I'm the worst industry person where I don't not like educate myself, or at least I didn't. Now I do. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, that sounds cool. Like, totally into it. And I get there. It's, like it, co- it opened my eyes to like what the industry had to offer in other, like in another side. And that's why I was like, okay, so I could actually take this love and go in another direction and not have to work t- to like three in the morning every night. Like there is right. a way to do this. And while I was there, I passed by their booth and I was like, antique. I was like, Palinka, that's, um, I was like, I know what that is. I'm Croatian. I introduced myself and they were like really excited. They're like, you're a bartender. And then I found out that they spoke to the CEO who at the time was there. He was there for like the first two times they were in BCB. And he came to the Fernet booth and was like, I heard you are Croatian and you are a bartender. And you, he's like, how do you think Antique is? Like he asked me a couple of questions and Croatian men, I'm not sure if you knew, they're actually some of the tallest men in the world. And I'm 5'3". He was probably there's a lot of Croatian basketball players. So yeah, Yeah. he was. I don't know. Don't quote me. Like maybe six five. Who knows? But like, so I'm wearing sneakers. So he's like talking me like like I'm like this. (laughs) So it was just like a really funny like experience. I was like so intimidated by him because he was just like completely like hunching over me, like asking me these questions. I was like, I love antique. Wow. Yes. And and then he said, Would you want to be a brand ambassador, possibly? And I said, Absolutely. And at first, it was just like a really slow start. I met their brand manager, Gary, because he lives here. He was actually uh, one of the owners of Heppelgen. So that's like was his background. Mm. He was very versed in this world. And I happened to go to Croatia that summer because my father lives there. I like to visit every summer. And they actually flew me to the di- for the day to Zagreb, the capital, because I was more in the islands. That's where my family's from. So it really showed me their dedication, their excitement for me. And they showed me the distillery and gave me like a little tour. And I fell in love and I was really excited about what they had to offer. And that's kind of how it worked out. And I love it. So that's also really important. I love the product. So uh, how would you describe the product? How would you describe it? Basically, so in Croatia, it's a spirit category called Pelinkovac. Pelin means wormwood. And also, sorry, Croatians, I don't speak Croatian. I know I'm pronouncing it not great. But yes, so it's a essentially an Amaro, though. That's how I like to describe it, at least here. Just a more digestible way to approach it because it is a bitter. And that's what Amaro is, a bitter. Yep. 40 different herbs and botanicals from the Mediterranean. It is anise based. So it definitely has that like licorice vibe. And that's what also excited me about it. Cause I hate licorice, like 
really boldly and I smelled it. And that's like my favorite way to also tell people. I'm like, people smell it and they're like, oh my God, this is insane. It smells like Jaeger. I'm like, it's not Jaeger, I promise. And then they take a sip and they're like, wow, this is a lot softer than I expected. It has like such a smooth finish. Like I want another sip. And that's like, that's what you want, right? Like when you mm. anything, you want to have another sip. So I thought that was a big win. And it was exciting for me to want to share this. And yeah, I think also my favorite part about it is their story because it is a very old legacy. So this was back in like the 1800s. And there was a gentleman named Franjo Pocorni. And he was making the Palenka that's at the time. It was like uh, he made different kinds and it was super famous. They were selling it to like the French and Venetian royal courts. And this particular recipe got lost in World War II because there's different kinds of pilinkovats. They're usually very bitter. And this one is a lot different than what you expect. So for the 100th anniversary, they went through his journal entries and found the like recipe and said, you know what, let's bring it back. And not only bring it back, bring it back in the original packaging that they used in the 1800s. So I know that you're not going to like film this, but so you right. all could see like, that's all original. Like oh, okay. it was the name antique. Everything else is purely original from when it was produced in the 1800s and the bottle shape, they kept the same as well. They literally went to the creation national museums and replicated it. So that's cool. I, I just love how it's something that's not trying to be old school and unique and cool. It's just truly an authentic product that we're just excited to share with the world. And how would you describe Schlebevitz? Schlebevitz. Schlebevitz is a... Uh, I can help you. It's a brandy. Is it apricot or... I, I, I think it's ass brandy. <laughs> I think it's pear brandy. Schlebevitz. It's pear brandy, but it is, yeah, it is hard. It's a hard drink. It is hard, but it's not as hard as like rakia. Like that's no, like no, the, but they're but they're similar. Like and I like I love how you immediately brought that one up because those are the, they both taste I'm like they both taste like rubbing alcohol. I really sleep. I mean, so you, so like I mentioned that they are part of the company Badal, so they have. I know, I know, you're not allowed to say anything bad about them. No, 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 no. I'm trying. To, <laughs> <laughs> I like their sleep of it because I never really tried it too oh. much. Like I would just drink like like anytime I drank creation stuff, it was like what my grandpa made in the basement. So like it wasn't really like something proper. So I didn't really know what like it could be. And they do a good one. And I know also it's really popular in Serbia. Like there's good yes. maybe, but maybe make it a little bit stronger. But I personally think it's like way more sweet compared to Rakia. Well, Rakia is like another level for sure. That's I mean, like, that's like that, you're, you're literally, that's literally <laughs> just like bathtub gin style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally would drink it like in Croatia, like in a unmarked water bottle that was like under the dinner table at like the house. Like they're like, that's a it was like my, my mom, like always considered it the like uh, Windex, like in my big fat Greek wedding. Because my <laughs> grandfather would always be like, "Do you have a stomachache? Rakia. You have a headache? Rakia. You have a pimple." <laughs> 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 uh, fair enough. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Melanie, for giving us your time. Let our listeners know where they can follow you and can follow Antique. Oh, thank you. So I'm Melanie, just two extra M's. You can see me possibly if I accept your friend request. I had to go private because I kind of was starting to get. A little creeped out, no. um, but <laughs> on, on Instagram, on social media, yeah, I know. Shocking. <laughs> but please follow Antiques Instagram. It's Antique 
wait, hold on. I'm making sure I, because we just changed our name recently. I want to make sure. Okay, cool. It's Antique Herbal Liqueur and spelled like with the U. So it's all one word. It's a global one. We just added all of our Instagrams together to make it more um, cohesive. But yeah, Antique Herbal Liqueur. Okay. Amazing. Well, thanks so much. This has been a super fun uh, conversation. Like, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And thanks for giving thanks, us guys. your time. Yeah. Uh, follow Melanie if she lets you. And if not, then definitely follow Antique. It sounds like a cool product and you guys should be, everybody should be checking out these different types of spirits to drink anyway. So yes. it's cool that they have found someone who is of Croatian descent who can speak to the product even if you don't speak croatian that great (laughs) try it try something new because you just might like it yeah well we've all tried everything so perfect (laughs) yeah Yeah. thanks again melanie thanks y'all